0: Hello and welcome to ask mr DNS's episode 57 I'm Cricket Lou joined by my podcasting partner Matt Larson Matt Larson <laughs> <laughs> You can tell already we haven't even
1: completed the intro and the lack of preparation is showing
0: yes well we I, I just managed to get my setup uh, <laughs> in in some kind of operable state um, But before we go any farther, we should uh, introduce our special guest, Rob Fleischman, uh, who's joining us. Rob? Hello.
2: Thanks for uh, letting me be on. This is great.
0: Yeah. Well, we'd love to have uh, you tell our dozens of listeners, Rob, something about yourself. Um, Why is it that you are qualified to join our august (laughs) <laughs> broadcast.
2: <laughs> well, I, I am humbled by the DNS knowledge on this call. I've been doing uh, recursive DNS for a while, first at Xeracle with our AnswerX product, and uh, a number of years ago, geez, it's probably four or five years now, I've been at Akamai, where, of course, we do lots and lots and lots of DNS. So yeah. I've been involved with the recursive team and in the DNS group, uh, in the platform side, and, you know, of course, we host a whole ton of folks, both authoritatively and... Lots of people using our recursive server in the cloud and you know in their ISPs.
0: Yeah, we've been been very fortunate to have uh, kind of a, a succession, a parade, if you will, of notable developers of uh, interesting DNS servers. We had uh, Petr Spacek just uh, just last episode, and and now we have you.
2: <laughs> yeah, those guys. Those uh, you know, it's been great being able to to listen to the esteemed uh, colleagues in DNS development. That's certainly for sure.
1: Well, it makes it easier for us because I, I tend to think there's only so much of the two of us people probably want to listen to. So the, <laughs> the format of having a guest, I think, helps. Well, so we invited uh, Rob on because there was a thread on the DNS op. It was DNS op, right? Not DNS op. Right? It was DNS op. The ITF DNS op mailing list uh, about uh, caching with a TTL of zero. Mm-hmm. And so Rob, uh, Rob sent us a message and, uh, about that, and I just pounced on him and said, hey, how about you? Well, I think, Rob, didn't you suggest we do an episode on it? And I said, that's such a good idea. I think you should be on the episode.
2: Yeah, <laughs> you, you totally turned the tables on me. I was like, hey, why don't you guys explain this to me so I can learn? And then Matt said, why don't you explain it to us? So I had yes. to go do research.
0: You were, you were dragooned into uh, participating in the episode. It, 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 it might be, I guess, a little bit, uh, probably worth at least talking briefly about sort of the, the lore, as it were, of TTL equals zero, right? I, I had always heard and I think had um, probably repeated that using a TTL of zero on a resource record was a bad idea. Um, because uh, bad things could happen. The the idea, for example, was that some recursive DNS servers would uh, maybe even time out the record before they returned it. Is that sort of roughly on the right track?
2: You know, Cricket, there's a lot of lore, and I was chatting with (laughs) Matt before. As I went around Akamai and asked people about TTL0, a lot of rumors, a lot of, hey, we did that once and horrible things happened. Mm-hmm. And they uh, they mapped what you said, but they also mapped a couple other things. Mm-hmm. One was that uh, the lore was that some servers, some CPEs, some recursive servers, maybe even some applications viewed TTL zero as never expiring. So you get oh. that answer, and then you're you know you're done forever. Wow! Um, but also, you're right that there were situations, maybe C name chaining, maybe delegation following. Where during that process, when you had a TTL of zero, you would get rid of it in some situations and end up in you know spinning right. Your recursive mm-hmm. server would just spin forever, saying up, I got to go refresh that, and then you know it really never finish. So there was a lot of lore, um, not a lot of specifics, uh, candidly, about mm. uh, you know TTL zero being bad. But I can tell you, um, we avoid it. People avoid it. Yeah. Well,
1: I've always wondered kind of what the point is, right? Like, if it would make sense just thinking about it that you have opportunity for all the things that we just discussed to happen with using a a boundary condition like that, right? So, if you really want to low TTL, why not five seconds? Why not ten seconds? I mean, really, why why would you even mess with zero? Why would you even go there?
0: What I, I guess the the next question is though. Uh, I I buy that, but then what is what is high enough to be safe? What, like, what's the longest or, or the longest that you can expect recursive resolution to take? So, for example, is one second enough? Or um, at, at presumably, one second would be enough to avoid uh, the kind of treatment that Rob described, where there's some special case where uh, a DNS server or an application thinks that TTL equal, TTL zero equals cache forever. But if we're looking in the other direction at DNS servers that might expire something before they've completed resolution, is, is, is one second too short? Should we go to five? Should we go to ten? Well,
2: That's interesting. You know, the, the, the discussions in the RFCs talk about TTL zero meaning good for this transaction, right? Mm. Really, you shouldn't cache it, but you should kind of keep it in this limbo zone where you got it from the authority and you keep it around until whatever you're doing is done. But what does transaction mean i you know that we could all debate that all day Um, right but you're right you know you bring up an interesting thing and i and um you know when i asked that question at akamai of our authoritative server folks they responded with the following they said we do not hand out ttl zero unless the customer themselves types a record in with ttl zero and even then there are a number of services where we still won't do that in Hmm. general we hand out, and, and you know, you can check this out pretty easily with the appropriate dig. But in general, our lowest TTL is about 20 seconds, and I believe that has to do with things in the Akamai CDN uh, failing over within that time period. You know, meaning we can do a failover, you know, much faster than that. But that 20 seconds is like a high watermark. Um, so at least in our world, from an authoritative side, 20 seconds is the bottom that we hand out. Um, on the recursive side, boy, uh, our servers try really, really, really hard not to give you TTL zero. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we'll hand back TTL one a lot. Um, and I'm sure you guys have talked about some of the, you know, look, uh, recursive servers, right? We we have all these configuration variables. We're not, you know, my software is not the only one. There's everyone does where you can set mm-hmm. a min TTL, right? I'm sure you can do that with with the stuff uh, you guys do too, right, Cricket?
0: Well, I mean, we're just using, uh, in NIOS anyway, we're we're using Bind under the under the hood. And I don't believe Bind has, um, it, it does not, by default anyway, uh, trim to some minimum TTL. I think it'll pass back a TTL zero resource record.
1: Well, that's what got the whole discussion started on the DNS hot mailing list, was somebody was wondering, was that legal? What should a recursive do mm-hmm. if it... Gets a response from an authority server with a TTL of zero. You know what? Can it can it hand it out with a TTL of zero?
2: Well, that that's interesting. In in our software, if you get a TTL of zero, um, we we will not cache it. Right? We'll we'll just you know we'll use it for the transaction and and that's it. Um, but the downer with that, the real downer, and you were alluding to this before about short TTLs, is that all these recursive servers, mine, the stuff we make included, have all these kind of clever hacks in them, right? Things like prefetching, serve stale, pinning, all these things that are sort of designed to make it so the client doesn't wait, right? Mm -hmm. So the idea being, hey, we get www.google.com and it's got a nice high TTL of 5, 10, 15 minutes, whatever it is. And then as it ticks down, as it gets closer to zero, queries can then cause the recursive server to prefetch that value in the background, right? Mm So that window gives you time to make performance high. So as your TTL clocks down into that, you know, let's be honest, five seconds is pretty low, you start negating that, right? And then you're going to get performance hits where clients are waiting for that recursion, right? So I think, you know, I'm an advocate of, of course, you know, being a recursive server guy, higher TTLs, you know, Mm -hmm. really 30 seconds, a minute being really, you know, a prudent value as the bottom.
0: That's really interesting advice. I, I, I don't know that I'd ever heard that, Rob. But um, certainly, given how um, you know how, how much resolution your code does out there, oh, yeah. <laughs> I guess we'll have to we'll have to have the Google Public DNS folks on next to, oh, to, yeah, talk, to be, talk to them about it. But exactly, uh, exactly. But I think it's important for for folks who manage zones to have some understanding of the real-world impact of choosing a particular TTL value.
2: You know, there's another area which, you know, as I was thinking about this, you know, I put on my hat and said, well, you know, what if you were kind of nutty and you started using low TTLs for everything? Mm -hmm. I was thinking to myself that probably the worst place to do that would be your A or Quad A and NS records for your authorities, right? If you did that, that would be really bad because then that would cause traffic, right, to the parent zone. Things like mm-hmm. com and net, where we'd really be overloading the infrastructure.
0: Yeah, I think that using it for the delegation would be a big no-no. But but and Matt, you would know this uh, from your previous career at Verisign. I, the, the Verisign won't let you add to, for example, com or net uh, uh, any TTL zero uh, resource records in a delegation, will they?
1: Oh no, you don't get you don't get a choice at the TTL at all. It just goes in at whatever the default is, which I think has been two days forever. Yeah. Let me check that. And, and, while, and while we're at it, I realized it wasn't the DNS op mailing list. Uh, it was DNS operations, after all, uh, was, was where this TTL0 thread came up. Because I was just looking while we were talking at the, uh, at the message. And it was kind of interesting. I, 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 so not only did I get the mailing list wrong, but I got the... Uh, uh, I got the particular issue that the person was uh, asking about wrong. Uh, Greg Chules is this person's name. What he was wondering is not about the scenario where authority hands back zero and then the recursive in turn hands back TTL of zero. He was wondering about, imagine something that went into the cache with a higher TTL and the cache is ticking down. Would the cache ever be allowed to hand out the record with a TTL of zero, sort of right as it was expiring, if you will, right.
2: <laughs>
0: that is a corner case, isn't it? <laughs>
1: yeah, that's so. That's that was that was his use case. I mean, if I remember correctly, wasn't it early versions of bind? I mean, I don't know that they had uh, uh, active cache expiration, but instead, when you look something up if it found it in the cache yes. it would first it would first do math to see all right when did i cache it what time is it now how old is this thing if it's older than the ttl oh, it's expired i have to start over
0: yeah that's exactly right it was only yep. recently that it started to actively remove things from the cache
1: yeah so with so with that logic you you'd never return something with ttl of 0 presumably unless it was less than or equal to instead of less than in your comparison
2: yeah and Matt, that, that's basically what we do too, right? If it's in the cache and it counts down, you get one of two things: you'll either get the TTL of one, or you're going to wait, you know, to get the refresh from the authority.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But but Rob, you you would pass through a, or I'm sorry, no, you were saying that you would not pass through a TTL zero resource record from somebody else. You'd you'd increase it to some very small value, like that's one. A,
2: by default, that's the that's exactly right, Cricket. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think you can. You know, if you're aggressive in the config, you can probably force us to do a zero. But boy, I, I suspect that would be a pretty bad configuration. You'd probably have other problems. Yeah. Like yeah. you wouldn't cache anything or something horrible like that.
1: And so as long as we're talking about TTL 0 one thing that came up in that thread on DNS operations, not DNS op, uh, that I didn't realize was this uh, throwaway line in RFC 1035 Uh, where they're defining the format of uh, resource records. So this is, for what it's worth, section uh, 3.2.1. And it's when they're describing the the five parts of a resource record. And under TTL, there's this throwaway line that says, for example, SOA records are always distributed with a zero TTL to prohibit caching.
2: I saw that too. And I was scratching my head thinking, I've never seen that. That, (laughs) And that would probably be a bad idea.
1: Yeah. And so, in fact, that line is referenced in RFC 2181, the clarifications RFC, which basically says, yeah, we don't know what we were thinking. Uh, that was crazy talk. <laughs> so just let's not pretend that's there.
0: I, I was going to say, I have never, ever seen that, I, it, you know, it, in real in real world data being returned from, from actual DNS servers. So, I mean, I'm looking up uh, uh, the infoblox.com SOA record on one of our one of our DNS servers, which is of course running some relatively recent vintage of BIND 9, and I see the actual, the actual TTL for sure.
2: There's another interesting thing I thought you guys should know. You know, of course I won't name names, but you know we have customers that you know run public DNS-like systems, things that are open, and they're pretty aggressive about min TTL. We have an operator who puts their min TTL up to uh, three minutes.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
2: you know, so I don't care what the authoritative says; we're going to hand it out for three minutes, and What's interesting about it is uh, let's say we're querying, uh, you know, cricketloo.com and, and uh, cricket hands back a 60 second TTL. They will send the 60 second TTL and it will decrement down to one and it will stay at one for the 180 seconds for the additional two minutes. And then it will will refresh. Mm. Then it will refresh. Mm -hmm. So um, it's not that they're lying, right? They're just sort of hanging on to that last gasp. That's Mm -hmm. the behavior when, they tell the recursive server that there's a min TTL floor. And of course, they do this. I mean, you know, they're not doing it to be mean. They're doing it really for denial of service prevention, right?
0: Yeah. They're they're trying to save their own bacon, which makes, makes sense to me. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yep.
1: I wonder how many service providers or even not service providers, but just large enterprise installations have software tuned to do that because uh, people go to such great lengths. I know from my time at Dyne. I mean, the traffic engineering features that Dyn offers—that's the main selling point—is to uh, hand out these carefully tuned answers with very short TTLs. And then it'd be interesting to know are there people who are just blatantly ignoring <laughs> them and going, "Nope, sorry."
0: <laughs> well, I don't. I don't think uh, you know. Given uh, given some firsthand experience configuring recursive DNS servers. Uh, it's it's not a commonly used configuration option. Um, in fact, I, I, I'm trying to think. Uh, I, I know that Bind has had a max TTL for a long time, but uh, I'm not sure they've they've had a min TTL. I don't even remember, honestly, whether they have a min TTL. They probably do I, I
1: don't remember, and, of course, this is
0: will be one of those listeners screaming at their, <laughs> yes, at <right>. their iPhone. <laughs> of course we do. Evan Hunt. <laughs> yeah. Don't you
2: see the config? It's right there. <laughs>
1: But but it's sort of against the spirit of the standard, right? I mean, capping the TTL is, is fine, but mm-hmm. uh, artificially inflating it is, is strictly speaking, not. So that doesn't seem like uh, uh, something that uh, the reference implementation or the purported reference implementation would want to be doing.
0: Yeah.
2: Of course, uh, you know, uh, uh, like most developers, we just say, we make the software. We don't necessarily run it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I agree with you, Matt. It's it's definitely a little cagey in terms of uh, you know compliance to the spec.
0: Yeah, but I think that this kind of stuff is really interesting because it's it is as we were saying early in the podcast, it is lore. This is not the sort of sort of thing that that you get um, from the RFCs, from uh, uh, books, from anything. I mean, I guess you might be able to sort of uh, uh, assemble this sort of knowledge from discussions that have taken place on mailing lists, but, uh, but other than that, you have to listen to us.
2: Exactly. So I guess, uh, you know, I was hoping you guys would pull out, uh, you know, some document somewhere, but uh, all I found was lore, and I think, uh, I think you're right. I think it's really just sort of, hey, don't do that. It's a bad thing. Trust me.
0: Rob, really, all this was um, was our clever attempt to do no work in answering <laughs> your question, <laughs> And, and it appears to have worked,
1: <laughs> smashingly.
0: And to get you to do all of the necessary legwork. <laughs> you guys are brilliant.
1: <laughs> well, I think we have uh, done our usual treatment of a topic, where we have talked about it and then pounded it into the ground. So I, I think we can probably uh, call closure on TTL to zero. What do you think?
0: Sounds good to me. I agree.
1: Well, our, our mailbag is is pretty light. But we did get one question from uh, Christopher Parente, and his name is very familiar to me, Cricket, and you said you you know Christopher, right?
0: I, I re- remember the name, but I, I couldn't I couldn't place uh, Christopher. So um, did- well, Christopher, we're sorry that we don't remember
1: you specifically. Um, but thank you for sending in a question. And it, it was uh, quite short and and succinct. and and uh, Christopher asks, DNSSEC fully implemented? would have prevented the U.S. government hijacks? Yes or no?
0: Yeah, and so it's probably worth going into at least a little bit of background about the about the hijacks. Um, these were were sort of broken by FireEye and Cisco's Talus Intelligence Group. And um, what happened was that some bad actors, let's say, um, used compromised credentials to the registrar accounts and uh, the DNS hosting accounts of a number of different organizations around the world, but apparently including six U.S. government agencies, and uh, changed either the delegation or the authoritative data for these people's domains to point to um, servers that were under the bad guy's control. And then they used the fact that they had control over the DNS to have uh, TLS certs issued by Let's Encrypt. And they plugged those into these, these new imposter servers and basically just sat there as, as men in the middle, intercepting web traffic uh, and, uh, and mail traffic. On the back end, they would go to the real destination, so pass the mail on to the actual destination or pass the web traffic off uh, to the, the real web server. But they sat there for appar- apparently an extended period um, snooping on all of that traffic.
1: So I, I think the short answer is is no, right? This is a much simpler attack. This is uh, you, you swipe somebody's password, you redirect the domain to other name servers, and uh, if, for example, if the domain had been signed, or the zone, I should say, if the zone had been signed, um, you could also remove the DS record at the same time and just uh, shut off DNSSEC completely.
0: Yeah, that, that's exactly right. I I, I thought. Momentarily, well, yeah, you know, if you DNS signed things and somebody changed, for example, your authoritative data, um, then it it wouldn't validate anymore. And and uh, somebody on one of the mailing lists, I think it was John Levine, pointed out, well, if you (laughs) if you do that through somebody's interface on their DNS hosting provider, then presumably it's going to be re-signed automatically anyway. And and like you just said, Matt, if if you change somebody's registrar or information through the registrar, you can. Pull the DS record, so, or or, or update it to to be something that points to uh, 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 DNS key records that are under your control or that you've generated.
1: Then for the four people who are doing DNSSEC validation, it wouldn't be suspicious.
2: (laughs) So I have have a question. What if um, the attackers, when they did this substitution, had access to the NS or A quad A record TTLs, since we're talking about TTLs? Mm -hmm. What if they added very, very long TTLs? Couldn't, yeah, that, then those would sit in recursive servers all over the internet perhaps for an extended period of time post mitigation.
0: Yeah, that's
1: right. Yeah, that's a good point. That would be the way to do it if you're going to carry out this attack is uh, is you know why 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 not? Why uh, the the anti TTL zero, right? Uh,
2: exactly.
0: Yep. yep. Well, it was uh, a pretty a pretty nasty attack. I think we even had We even had a a webcast on this last week, on uh, Thursday of last week, not to plug Infoblox webcasts, but uh, I was on it anyway. (laughs) And we talked a little bit about the DHS emergency directive that they issued in response to uh, the attacks, which basically said a lot of sort of common sense, motherhood and Apple Pie sorts of things like, hey, on those registrar accounts and those DNS hosting accounts, maybe you should use two-factor authentication (laughs) and strong passwords and things like that.
1: Right, well so thank you to to Christopher for the question and uh, I'll give our usual plea to please send questions to mr. DNS at ask mr. so that our mailbag will not be almost empty as it is now
0: yes it's very sad
1: <laughs> all right I think it's witty banter time
0: yeah do we have any witty banter uh, <laughs> <How about those laughs> waiting patients? in the wings <laughs> oh oh yeah 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 oh, that, was, that was that uh, was it was a pretty a pretty dull Super Bowl, wasn't it?
2: <laughs> Even the commercials started wearing on me
0: yeah yeah um there were there were a couple of them that were that were pretty good. I thought that the Audi commercial was pretty was pretty uh was pretty funny
1: i saw the uh, well, I, I didn't i didn't watch i'm not a huge uh a huge football fan, but uh, I did see a reference to the Twilight Zone commercial. Yeah, which look which look clever. I wonder how many people that had screaming at their TV.
0: Yeah, hopefully that'll that'll be good. That's um, that's Peel, right from Key and Peel. Who's who's it is? Yep. Who's doing that? Yeah, that should be that should be pretty interesting. Did you guys also hear? I don't know if you guys are fans of this movie. Um, uh, there's there's a movie called What We Do in the Shadows, which is it's a a vampire mockumentary.
2: No, I'm oh, not, no. not familiar with it That would be something my daughters might know a bit about
0: so, so I have to say, first of all It has nothing to do with the whole Twilight uh, uh, the, the Vampire okay, scene <laughs> it, um, the, the director And, and I believe the, the writer as well Is uh, Taika Waititi who, who was the director of um, Thor Ragnarok And, and a number of, of indie movies before that But it is absolutely Hysterical Probably the funniest movie that I saw uh, That entire year um, but they, they've just announced that they're going to do a series now based on that on, uh, FX, I think. So that's, that's big news in my world. But if you guys, if you guys have a chance, boy, that is just the funniest, funniest movie.
1: So it's in the style of, uh, like best in show and, uh, Oh, I'm blanking out. What's the, uh the the one that's the Christopher Guest one that started it all the oh Spinal Tap
0: Spinal Tap this is Spinal Tap yeah it's it is a little bit like that I mean for example they have there are three I guess three four four vampires flatting together in in Wellington and they have to have they have to have a, a meeting because one of them hasn't washed the dishes in like 500 years or something like that I mean it's <laughs> <laughs> it's it really is a, a a wonderful really funny movie and th- there was a, even a uh, a kiwi spin off of it called Wellington paranormal um which isn't available isn't available here unfortunately uh but but really really funny a- in fact anything by Taika Waititi is is really well worth seeking out
1: well i got a in march I, about in about a month i go into the ican meeting in Kobe which is not an easy place to get to i'll i'll have you know mm-hmm. um, and so i've got the 14 hour flight from Dulles to uh narita
0: yeah, easier easier from this coast.
1: I'm gonna end up taking the uh, Shinkansen from uh, from Tokyo because it's 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 hard. It's just surprisingly difficult to fly to Kobe. Or actually, what you do is you fly to Osaka. Yeah. And there's so many transfers, no matter how you do it. I thought, well, I'm just gonna use this as an excuse to take a nice train ride. So yeah. That's what I'm doing.
0: Have you ever taken the Shinkansen before? Once. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's a wonderful experience.
1: All right, I think that long pause is probably telling us all something.
0: <laughs> yeah, we've got to let uh, we have to let Rob go, but uh, Rob, thank you so much for for joining us and for for leading the discussion on TTL zero.
2: My pleasure, Absolutely. guys. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, and, and be sure to ask us another question and then do all the legwork to answer <laughs> it.
2: Yeah this this worked <laughs> out uh, this worked out brilliantly. Thank <laughs> you. Is this the model for future episodes? The guests will do all the work. <laughs>
1: Seriously, thank you. Thank you, Rob. And and thank you to everyone, as always, for listening. Uh, Again, uh, a plea to please send uh, your questions to mrdns at ask-mrdns.com. So thanks, everybody. And until next time, bye-bye.
0: Bye-bye.